It was all gone. I had lost my life savings as I sat there looking at the screen to see that criminals had absconded with my investments. I knew better. Immediately, common sense whacked me on the head and started interrogating me and, and asking me, did you do your due diligence? Did you do your vetting and your background check? You knew better. And then guilt and shame and embarrassment set in. Yep, I had been taken for a Ponzi scheme. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, (laughs) and I wish I could be happy about that story, but I do want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me on the flip as we get into part two of our Mother Wit Boot Camp. I sure hope I see you on the flip. That story, it hurts to tell even now. I had recently decided that I could not go and work for anybody else. And so I took out, (laughs) I liquidated and took out a lot of money. And I was not a lot of money, but a lot of money for me because I had been saving for years. And I took some of it and started my own business. And then I took, I think it was about 12 grand of it at the time, which was, whoa, whoa, that's been, oh my gosh, it's been almost 15 years ago. Yeah. And I said, I need to grow this money. And so I started looking for online investments and I disobeyed the five laws of gold that I knew from The Richest Man in Babylon. Great book, by the way, you guys. And I went against it because the returns were so good and people were talking about how great this was and how you could quickly turn your money fast. And I put it in and three months later, my money was gone. And I went so far as to contact um, the the FBI. Yes, I did. And uh, they were trying to figure it out as well because it had been interstate and and the trail went cold when they started uh, trying to get into the islands. Uh, They couldn't get it. Yeah, it was that big because I wasn't the only one. And this was before the Madoff situation, you guys. So I'm telling you what I know, not what I heard. And this is a hard story to have to fess up and tell. That with all of my quote unquote business savvy, I lost precious funds that I could not have afforded to have lost. Yeah. So that is another reason why I am giving you what I can at this particular time to help us all get back on our mother wit game. Now, yesterday we started out and I had made a list of 11 things that I wanted to cover. And I got through five of them, so I'm going to try to get through the rest of them today. But if not, you know what? I have time to think about it, and it's going to take the time that it takes. And if you are down with me and you don't have, and you have more than the attention span of a gnat, then I will see you through this. And if we need to, tomorrow we'll finish it. But if not, great. But thank you for sticking with me, my loyal, true tribe friends. And fellow cohorts, let's get into this. So yesterday, if you actually picked this one before the other one yesterday, let me do a quick review. Uh, Motherwit, 
the whole the definition of mother wit is that you have uh they say a natural ability to cope with everyday matters and basically have common sense. I am going to say that that natural ability can be uh it can be learned. It is a skill that you can grasp. And so I'm going to endeavor to give you some points. And now this is not exhaustive. Even that, this is not exhaustive. Even though I've got 11 points on here, there's still more to, to learn. But this is a boot camp to get you quickly up and going and to exercise this muscle or to build it. So yesterday on this list, we talked about how to break things down, you know, how to destroy, undo, disrupt, and how to annihilate your desires and examine your passions so that you don't get got. Hmm? Yeah. Then we talked about how to look panoramically, how to look up, down, around, through, past, and beyond, um, playing to the checkmate before we make the first move, and how to start learning to control your impulses and your need for immediate gratification. Then, uh, and number three, We talked about stepping up your comprehension game and how to abandon surface knowledge, thinking you know everything and being a sophomoric learner where you are only on the second step of even learning how to learn thinking you know something. And I talked about this book that I'm going to talk about again today on and it's called How to Read a Book. And it was written by folks who were responsible for the um. Uh, Encyclopedia Britannica, and if, if the, and it was written in 1940, and it has withstood the test of time. This 80-year-old book is still slaying and helping. To me, this book is one of the ones, and you know, one of these days, I'm going to curate a list of human insurance to help you be able to uh, sustain the pitfalls of this life. I will put this book on that list of having good human insurance. Yes. Um, and then number four, we talked about asking the necessary questions to evaluate if a subject can withstand scrutiny. You know, that stuff I was talking about in the A part. If I had taken the time to do what I knew to do like this, I would not have put my money in that shaky investment firm. And, uh, Using, if you can't use anything else, at least learning to use the Socratic method where you you make yourself get to the point where you truly are able to define without any kind of instability what you think you know about a situation. And you do that by taking it through, um, defining it, then breaking down that definition to the simplest parts, and then attacking each part of that reassembling it, and then using that refined uh, definition to be able to start looking at the questions and and those types of things of, of analysis and what you need to know. And then number five, we talked about broadening your learning style. And I talked about how a lot of people uh, don't realize that they only think of the first two types of learning styles, and there are more. Um, but most people think about instruction and they think about doing. Uh, school of hard knocks or tactical learning, you know, where you get your hands dirty and you actually go out and do it. But they don't understand that there is more to that. 
where you can have discovery knowledge, where you go out and you get a variety of experiences and you put yourself in places where you are challenged to uh, explore and discover new things. It's an active and uh, active learning. Kind of like when that book, How to uh, Read a Book, talks about intelligent reading. This is uh, active intelligent learning. And then the fourth one that few people get to, and that's to master the skill of observation to give you deeper insights and and almost uh, psychic understanding of what's going on. Because observation is not just about looking. Uh, With observation, the more you, you focus on something, the more it has to give up its secrets, the more it has to release and, and, and um, its shields have to yield to the scrutiny and the glare of your observation. And so that's where we left off. And I, I wanted to just make sure I got that out here and sacrifice some of my time today to let you know that your learning has only just begun if you know how to take instruction and do. You then need, you must broaden your experiences by putting yourself in in ways to discover. You must break out of the small areas and and things. And there are going to be two more books that I talk about today with this. One of them is uh, called uh, Micro Mastery. And it's a quick read. Um, The reviews on it aren't that good because it almost seems like he makes it too simple. But if you learn how to read a book, you're going to understand that 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 this book is written out of this man's um, experience of having to go back and learn foundational truths that he skirted over. And there will be many gems in this book um, that you can look at. And so um, this book, it's um, the, the micro mastery of it uh, talks about taking little things and learning how to master those. You, uh, some people have talked about uh, picking up new hobbies and just focusing on like making the perfect omelet and those types of things. And because of that, you start to uh, learn how to build precept upon precept, principle upon principle. And so Micro Mastery uh, is, is one book that I say, you know, it's good. You know, you can have it. I mean, it's not mandatory, but it is one that I do want to make mention of. All right. So I now want to get into the second part of this. So we're going to start with number six today. So uh, a recap of the next ones that we're going to be covering, hopefully today, <laughs> is uh, number six, get the full story by getting the necessary components of who, what, when, why, where, how, and who. I think I already said that. Who, what, when, why, how, and where, excuse me. Number seven, being a problem solver. Number eight, knowing yourself. Number nine, knowing your environment. Number 10, knowing your sovereign power position. And number 11, consulting with wisdom. So let's go on and look at number six. It's kind of self-explanatory. You would think that people would know this, but they do not. One of the things that I remember when I was a kid and I wanted to go somewhere and I would ask my mother, she would take me through these six components. She was like, who's throwing the party? Uh, What y'all going to be doing there? When is it? supposed to be happening? Why do you want to go and hang out with these people and you better make it good? How are you going to get there and get back? And where is it going to be? If I could not answer those questions, I was not going. 
And we take this for granted. But how many times have you jumped head uh, foot first into something and you don't know these basic components? You got to get the full story. Um, I, I, I remember telling uh, you guys the story of when I was in high school and I had to go to a different high school for my senior year. Uh, and I became the um, newspaper uh, um, editor. And I had to learn these things from Ms. Carol. <laughs> Wherever you are, Ms. Carol, thank you. And she taught me uh, the foundations of a story, the components you had to have, even if you only told the who the, and the why, you still needed to know all of the components to have a complete story. And a lot of times people are working off of incomplete information because they were sloppy and forgot this part. So make sure you do that. Let me call them out again. Who, what, when, why, how, and where. If you don't have those, don't, don't move forward. You don't have enough common sense on the situation to move forward. Number seven, be a problem solver. Most people throw this out and they think that being a problem solver is solving a problem. No, being a problem solver, that's just one of the tiny components. Being a problem solver means that you start to operate in an area of innovation and ingenuity. That means that you start to pull from unconventional uh, sources to solve. So to be a problem solver, that means your database has to to widen and deepen of what you know. That means you, you have to start learning more, knowing more, doing more, becoming more well-read. You know, there is a difference between being uh, gossipy and nosy and uh, being well-read and well-learned. I, I remember when I was a kid that they would call lawyers learned, meaning that that was a sign of respect, that they had to be learned. And why did they have to be learned or learned? It was because they had to be creative problem solvers to mount either a defense or a prosecution with creative and various ways to get some, some justice. and. That is part of what common sense entails. It entails you being a problem solver. You know, you're not a problem solver if you are a one, two, or three hit wonder that every time you do something, you do it the same way. Everything does not fit in those squares, triangles, and round holes. Sometimes you got to have trapezoids, pyramids, and everything else. You've got to become crafty with the variety that you bring to the table and how you solve your issues. Um, A lot of people don't realize that being shrewd, cunning, clever, and all of those words that have bad connotations used to have good ones and continue to have good, good connotations in context of using common sense. You know, we have this saying that I've used for many years, no means next, no means next. And in that next means I find another way to get what I'm after, provided it does not break the law, it does not cause others to suffer, and it does not cause my soul to get downgraded, (laughs) you know, of um, having, uh, of being able to, to look myself in the eyes in the mirror. You know, and so being able to be a problem solver 
is well beyond the solving. It encompasses having enough resources and variety to come up with alternate ways to accomplish something. If you, if that's not you, then this is where you got to work that muscle to become a real problem solver. Number eight, know yourself. Now, a lot can be said about this. And so I just tried to put some things down there that are not so daunting because I don't want to have to send you on a philosophical uh, errand that would take you many years to get to that point where you feel like you have exhausted uh, the realm that you can handle. I mean, not the realm, but the uh, the boundary that you can handle. So let's just work with this. Um, to know yourself, develop an understanding of your patterns, your tendencies, your personality traits, your temperaments when you are angry or fearful, scared, happy. Understand your pecking order. There really is a pecking order in society, especially when you are in family dynamics. Have you ever dreaded going home for the holidays because you're going to see siblings and cousins and immediately, instead of being the uh, adult person of full agency, you be you you fall immediately back into this pecking order in your family, no matter how old you are? Yeah, know that about yourself. Know what season you're in. Uh, the Art of War, Sun Tzu talked about great leaders understanding their timing, their seasons, and understanding themselves. And then in another podcast, I talked about having a locus of control. And I talked about the internal and the external. The internal locus of control is a person who believes they make their own destiny. The locus of external control is a person who believes destiny acts upon them. Learn how you, to know how you look at things. And I'm going to tell you this part too. Your locus of control can vary depending on the subject matter at hand. So if you're thinking about your business, you could totally be an internal locus of control. I make stuff happen. I bring in the business. I make the money. Whereas in your, um, in your romantic life, you think it's destiny. Love hates me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> why can't I find love? You know, so look at the complexities of that and start to, to if you can at least master that part, you'll, you'll be pretty good. And let me say a little bit more about your tendencies. Uh, my grandmother used to say, I don't want to know what you say or even what you do. I want to know what you tend to do. And so with, with tendencies, tendencies are, are entangled in temperaments of how you behave based on positive and negative emotions and reinforcements. How do you behave when you feel your ego feels threatened? How do you behave when puffery is afoot and people are puffing you up? How do you behave when you're by yourself with no interaction from anyone else? These are the tendencies that you need to look at. And then what are those patterns that are working uh, behind the scenes in your life to bring you back around to lessons that you need to learn or either you need to update and upgrade to learn on a different level? Know yourself. Number nine, know your environment. Oh my gosh, today. This is a big one when we talk about common sense because common sense is activated usually when you're, you're in the wild, when you're in the environment, you know? 
with this, know when to act, when to stop and be still, know when to talk, when to shut up and be quiet, know when to show your hand, know when to tell what your plans are, know when to plot and plan, and know when to implement and execute. Knowing your environment means you know the signs of when to go, when to stay. A lot of times people believe that somebody else's environment is their own. This is where we talk about learning to run your own race and be content with your own plate. You know, my mother used to tell us, she's like, look, my one of my main jobs is to get you to love the grass in your own yard. And for us, that meant many things. But in this context, that meant understanding our own environment within our own family. I had five siblings and each one of our environments were different because we each had to run our own race and we each had to learn when to act and when not to act. Another thing about environment when it comes to common sense is knowing when not to run. Knowing how to get a better handle on your fight and flight response to things. Learning how to stick and stay no matter how much you want to run from something. And a lot of times that has to do with uh, retributions for stuff you have done. Now, I could talk a lot about this stuff and step on everybody's toes, but I want you to take what we learned yesterday and read between the lines on what I'm saying on that. You know, you can't throw a stick and hide your hand and then not be upset when something comes for you. So learning and knowing your environment entails that as well. Okay, so now I want to talk about number 10, knowing your sovereign power position. This one right here is real important. And the reason why it's important is because people have forgotten that in your individuality of where we live in this particular time, when individuality is still a big thing, I mean, I know it's not going to always be a big thing. I know we're going to have to eventually uh, assimilate into the Borg. <laughs> but in the meantime and in between time, while we still have individuality, you need to embrace your agency. And I'm going to talk about a book real quick that I, I do encourage you um, to, to do. Uh, yesterday I talked about, um, uh, how to read a book and that I was going to go back to it. Well, the book I'm, I'm currently finishing up is called Atomic, uh, Habits and it's, um, written by James Clear. And, um, James breaks down a lot of things of, instead of trying to go after a goal, you need to change whatever that goal is into a good habit. So it just becomes part of your new world. So it's not a goal that you want to obtain. It's just a habit that you do even before you've obtained it. And that was very powerful. Um, it kind of goes hand in hand with uh, micromastery where you can take little small things that you master. And this mastery is kind of like a catapult into forming good habits to be able to exercise your agency to uh, have control over your life. Too many times people give up their personal power to uh, external entities and get mad with them when they are not the master that they are demanding them be. 
You know, people want to talk about uh, certain personal uh, dignities and freedoms, and yet still on the other side of their mouth, they don't want to enact their ability to have agency in their life. And this is not about, you know, take responsibility kind of stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just activating your power to see what you can do. Activating the ability to create. Most people think they're not creative and they believe that they are automatons with feelings that are suppressed. No, activate your ability to create. The next part is the ability to create. When you create, you cause eruptions and explosions that you cannot see with your eye, but that happen in your environment to allow you a path, uh, um, excuse me, not a path, but various paths that you can then take. If you are feeling stuck, create something. And that goes into working with your hands. I talked in another podcast about being a, the, a doer maker. And we're, we're, we're going to have a return to doer makers, uh, to work with your hands, to do something. Even if you just, you know, hand write out lists and things, that's how you can do it. And that's actually one of the, the things I'm going to tell you about uh, knowing your sovereign power is to start making daily lists. Just handwrite them. Don't type them out. Handwrite them out. Daily list of things that you either want to learn more about, want to do, want to question, or as in rhetorical. Why has nothing blah, blah, blah. And, and, and putting them into the atmosphere to see how they maturate and come back to you to create. And then embracing your right to live. A lot of people don't understand that they are the ones that are suppressing themselves from truly living because the fear of living is so much greater than the fear of being stuck in the life that you're in. And thus, you surrender your common sense and your mother wit. Now, how do you do this? Besides, you know, making a a daily list of 10, uh, John Atterer talked about this in um, in one of his books that I've been meaning to recommend, and I might put it in the show notes as well. Uh, But anyway, do this by knowing your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. We call this a, a, a SWOT analysis. And if you can't get all of them in, at least know the strongest way that you communicate with yourself and others. It's okay to talk to yourself in your head or even out loud. It's okay to write and journal to yourself. It's even okay to sing around the house and in the shower, provided you're not giving other people a bad experience. But understand, what is your strongest form of communication? Are you a speaker, a writer? Are you a humorist? Are you great at presentation? Are you better with visual or uh, auditory? Is your way of communication overt or covert? Do you occupy snark and um, innuendo very well? Understand how you communicate. And that is going to give you an insight in how to understand and not only understand, but regain your sovereign power to live and to have personal agency of yourself. And then my last one. I think we're going to make it, y'all. Consult wisdom. This is a big one. So let me tell you a little bit. Back uh, in antiquity, uh, Egyptians had what was called a vizier. 
And the Pharaoh's vizier was a person who stood second to the Pharaoh. And this person was in charge of administration, security, judgment, and the safety of the Pharaoh and the empire. And this vizier was the person that was also the personal confidant or the personal counselor of the king. And most of the, of the time, people don't realize that you in and of yourself, you're an empire. And if you don't have a way to have trusted and wise counsel, you need to get it. You need to bounce things off of people. Maybe it's your significant other or a best friend. Maybe it's a mentor that, pay, pay your mentors, by the way. <laughs> Maybe it's your consultant who knows more about a situation than you do. But you, you need to embrace this. And in addition to that, this one, I left it for last because I know some people are going to balk at it. But give it a try if you get desperate enough and you'll, you'll, you'll be amazed at what happens. And that is to consult the wisdom of the ancestral knowledge that is all around us. The Bible even says that there is a cloud of witnesses African tradition talks about the veneration of ancestors and pouring libations to them for thanks. Many traditions have um, histories and uh, folklore about their ancestors. So there is an ancestral knowledge that is available for all. A way that you can do this is through um, journaling, talking to yourself. (laughs) or prayer and meditation. You'll be be surprised at the little thought inputs of wisdom that bounce into you and smack you with a loving kiss upside your head and your heart that will give you insight, like, don't do that, or you wasting your time over here and you're not watching this fire that's over there. I cannot tell you how many times I have had between the council of trusted advisors in my life, as well as prayer, meditation, and ancestral knowledge and wisdom, that it got me out of a lot. It didn't, it didn't get me out of that, that foolery that I talked about at the beginning because I wasn't paying attention. But if I had, I'm pretty sure it would have gotten me out of that. But with all that being said, get your mother wit up. It's needful in these times. It's treacherous out here in these streets and trickery is afoot. So yep, you guessed it. My time is up, but we made it y'all. Thank you so much for making it through uh, today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. I know it kind of probably was hard a little bit, stepped on your toes and you know, but it's okay. We're in this together and I'm going through these. So I wanted to share this Wisdom Smack with you. This has been Michelle Spiva for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. I love you. Thank you so much. Use our Amazon link at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. And yep, I'm going to see you tomorrow. Talk to you later, darlings. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, 
please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.